Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. I just love kids. Speaking of, I am so glad that you guys are in here this morning with us. All of our four-year-old through fourth grade, I'm so excited that you guys are in here. And listen, you guys look at me real quick. Kiddos, look at me real quick, all right? Listen, I got something really special for you, okay? Over on that back table, there is a sheet that says message notes, and it's not like the ones we usually use during, the week, during every other week, okay? This one's special just for today, and it's got a place for you to take notes as you listen to the message this morning. And if you do that, then I've got a special surprise for you next week, okay? I've got a special surprise if you'll bring it back to me filled out. And on the back of that is a really fun coloring page and also a place for you to ask a question to your parents about something you want to know in the Bible, okay? There you go. Go get it. Go get it, all right? They're getting it. They're taking it back to their seats. I love it. Listen, as they're doing that, I just want you guys to, to know that the reason that we do these fifth Sundays, family Sundays, is because we want everybody to understand that we really deeply value family. Family is a huge, important part of community fellowship. In fact, as we've been working through our values together as a board, that is the number one value that we found, that the, that the board members decided this is the number one value that we have is family. And so I just want you to know that that's why we do this. Every, periodically, we're going to make sure all of our kiddos are in here just so that we can worship together as the full family of God, all right? Uh, because having worked in children's and student ministry for so long, they don't have half of the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? We think that sometimes. We're like, well, they're young. And they are young, and that means some, some processing and thinking has to develop. But the truth is, if they've accepted Jesus, they have the full Holy Spirit too. There's no half Holy Spirit. You don't get halvesies on that, all right? So that's why it's so important for us to worship together because sometimes they're going to have stuff to say to us that's just as powerful and just as life-transformative as, as we would say to each other, okay? Well, we have been in a series called Submit Here over the last few weeks, and we're going to continue that this morning, and we're going to be looking at parenting, Obviously, that's why we have the kiddos in here, so we can have these discussions, right? We're going to be looking at parenting, okay? And, and as we've gone through the series, we've talked about a couple of different issues that sometimes are very difficult for us to submit to God in our life. It's hard for us to obey Him. We looked at work. We've looked at relationships. Um, we've looked, uh, what am I missing? We've, giving, think We've looked at giving, right? And then today we're looking at parenting. So we, we've looked at all these different issues that sometimes are very difficult for us to give over to God to say, okay, God, I'm going to be obedient to you in this area of my life. But this morning, we're going to look at parenting. So if you have your Bibles, or if you don't have a Bible, you can find one in front of you in the little uh, cubbies in front of you. We're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to start in chapter 6. 
But my hope this morning, here's what my hope is. My hope is that by the end of our time together, we're going to be able to see God's expectation for us as parents and how we raise our kids. And then also we're going to look at something very practical. We're going to see four natural times in our day that we can aim our kids' hearts back to God. Okay? So if you've got it, Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Okay, so let's give a little bit of context for this passage. So Deuteronomy literally means copy or repetition. It means, again, right, a repetition of something. And so the whole book of Deuteronomy is actually a re-giving of the law that had already been given to the people of Israel. Moses is reiterating the law to a completely different generation of Israel. Now, you might remember that when they scouted out the promised land, the spies came back and the people trusted and believed the 10 that said, no, we can't do this. We can't go in there and we can't take this land. And because they trusted those spies, those, that generation wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But now this is a completely different generation. This is their kids. And so Moses is reiterating the law before they go into and take possession of the promised land. In fact, he says they're about to cross over the Jordan, meaning they're about to step into the land of Canaan and they're going to possess this land. And so he wants to reiterate what makes them different, what separates them as the people of God versus all of these different nations that they're going to encounter in the land of Canaan. So here's the thing. They were distinct in how they worshiped. They were distinct in what they wore, and they were even distinct in what they ate. And all of that, all of this was to help distinguish them as God's chosen and holy people who were in a covenant relationship with him. So Moses gathers this entire community, and he reads the law, and then he concludes by commanding the people to teach these laws to their children. Now, I want to stop right here, and I need to clarify something. This passage is crucial, still even today, to Jewish people. This is a very important passage. In fact, in Jesus' time, every single kid, every single boy, every single girl would have had this entire passage memorized. They would have most of the law memorized, but this one especially because it was a prayer that they regularly said every day. It's called the Shema, okay? It's a very important prayer. In fact, when Jesus is asked of all 613 laws, what is the most important one? And the Pharisees are trying to trap him. Jesus responds with this very passage. This is the very passage he responds with. So it's got to be something that's important. It's fundamental to the Jews, so it should be important to us as well as a new covenant people. Okay? Now, there's something else important that I want you to see. Notice that Moses, when he says this to the people, he doesn't say, you know what, bring your kids to me and I'll teach them the law. He also, he doesn't say, hey, take them to the tabernacle, to the temple, and let the priest teach them what the law is. He doesn't do that. He says to each of the parents, you impress these laws onto their hearts. 
you as parents. See, God has given each parent in this room the primary role as discipler of their kids. You are the primary discipler. So you have the responsibility to train up your children in the faith following God. So listen, I really want you to hear me. That's going to happen whether or not you're deliberate about it or not. You are training your children. You are. You're you're, you're building your child's faith. Now, in what is their faith is the question. Are you building it in Jesus or is it in money? Is it in security? Is it in education? See, you're building their faith, but what are you building it in? Are you building it in Jesus Christ? See, Moses says, impress them on your children. Now, I'm reading from the NIV, but some of you may have other translations, and it may say it this way. It may say, teach them diligently. Anybody have that translation? Teach them diligently? The Greek word here, it's only used right here, but the root of that word, the root of it is used in other places, and it means to sharpen. So here's what Moses is telling Israel. Teaching your children to love and follow God is not a one-time thing. It's not a one and done. That's not how this is going to happen. Paul actually echoes that in Ephesians 6 as well, where he says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, professional athletes, um, they put themselves through some of the most rigorous training and diet that you could ever imagine, right? Because they don't want to just show up one day to the game and be like, all right, I'm here. I'm ready. That's not how it works, right? They spend countless hours in the gym. They spend tremendous time watching the finest details of what they eat, and they also have their coaches that are sitting there watching and and instructing them on how their form is. Could, could Could you just imagine, could you think, do you think athletes just wake up some days and they're like, you know what, I'm going to be late to practice. I mean, probably that might happen, but for most professionals, probably not, right? Because they get docked if they don't. Do you think that maybe sometimes they kind of cheat their meal plan and they eat like a Big Mac instead of, instead of what they're supposed to be? I'm sure that happens. I'm sure that happens, right? But at the same time, they're still focused. They don't give up. It's not like they continue just, oh, well, I'm just going to eat Big Macs for the rest of my time now. Right? They don't do that because they're focused on the prize. They know what they could win, a World Series trophy. Right? They're focused on what they could win. Well, for us as parents and discipling our children, it's going to be just as disciplined. It's going to take the same kind of commitment level that these professional athletes have. But the prize is so much more valuable than a trophy. It's so much more valuable. It's the joy of standing before Jesus and saying, with everything that you gave me, even my children, I pointed them back to you, Jesus. I pointed them to you. So to teach our children diligently, to impress these things on them is to be intentional and consistent in the process of whittling away their crooked and errant ideas about God and about themselves until like an arrow, they are smooth and straight and ready to hit the target. Now, I grabbed this outside a little bit earlier. Um, 
Now, if I was to take this and I wanted to make this into an arrow, right? I couldn't just take out my pocket knife and just like give it a once over, right? It wouldn't be ready. I'd have to, you know, make sure that I start kind of tearing off some pieces and the jagged edges, right? And then I'm going to have to get out my pocket knife and I'm just going to have to whittle and whittle until it's smooth, right? I mean, it can't even have the, the kind of the smallest little variation, right? That's going to make it go off course. I'm going to make it smooth and I'm going to have to make sure it's perfectly balanced so that I can let it fly through the air. That's the exact same idea when it comes to raising godly children. If we want to send them off into the mission that God's called them to, and if we want to do that with confidence, it's going to take time to consistently teach them what God's Word has to say about their choices, about their words, and most importantly, about their hearts. And that's not an easy task. Because kids, just like us, they come preloaded with this uh, thing called sin, right? They have a bent towards their own wants, their own desires, just like you and I do. But think about this. Even for us who have been Christians for a long time, let's say that you've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15 years. Do you not still struggle sometimes with ideas that are wrong about God and about yourself? I mean, maybe, maybe you think like this, right? You think, okay, God, I gave you what I was supposed to give you. I gave you my time. I gave you my church attendance. Now, now you're obligated to give me what I want, right? That's not the way God works. That's not the God of the Bible, right? So if we still struggle, having been Christians for as long as we have, we have to understand that our kids are going to struggle with that too. They're going to struggle with ideas that aren't right about God and about themselves. So we're going to have to consistently address their theological inconsistencies. So we have to be intentional and consistent. So now, now maybe you're thinking, um, I can just pass my faith off through spiritual osmosis, right? If they're just around me, they'll pick up my faith. And that's, there, there's some truth in that. There's some truth in that. But there's no way that can be the entire truth because if there was one person in the world who could have passed off the, their, their spirituality through osmosis, that would have to be Jesus, right? But Jesus takes time regularly to teach his disciples. So if the greatest disciple in the world can't pass it off through osmosis, then we have to understand that we can't either. We're going to have to be consistent in teaching our children well. Now, as you hear all this, um, it's probably a little bit overwhelming, right? It seems like a huge, big responsibility. And it is. It is a big responsibility. But our God is gracious and he's good. He knows how anxious that we get at the thought of this daunting responsibility. But here's the thing. If he gives us the expectation, then we can trust and be confident that he is going to give us a way to accomplish that mission. And that's why the next part of this passage in Deuteronomy is extremely important. So catch this. So Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he proceeds to give Israel some natural times in the day to re-engage the hearts of their children for the purpose of re-aiming and turning their children back to God. So let's take a, a deeper look at these four intentional times in our day. Okay, first one, when you sit at home. Now your first thought might be, Pastor James, we don't do a lot of sitting at home. Between taking my kid and dropping him off at football practice, 
picking them up, going through Sonic, grabbing some chicken nuggets, throwing it at them in the back, and then going on to the next practice. And then by that time, we got to get home. You got to put them, you know, they got some homework to do, and then we got to put them to bed. And we just start this whole crazy cycle over again. I don't have any time to teach my kids. Listen, I absolutely understand. I have four daughters of my own, and the last few weeks, being in two different places, our weekends have been a whirlwind between games and parties and tournaments. So I absolutely understand. I absolutely get it. But think about this. We always make time for the things that we love. We always make time for the things that we love. For example, if we love football, now I'm going to pause there and say we very generally because that is not my thing. I'm a baseball guy. But if you love football, all right, you're going to make time to watch the game, right? You're going to make sure that everything's done so that you can sit down for a few hours and watch the game. Or maybe you've heard of a friend that keeps on telling you about this Netflix thing that you're supposed to watch a particular season or something on Netflix, and you're like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour this evening, and I'm just going to watch it. Or three hours later <laughs> of binge watching, right? You make time for the things that are important, okay? So I'm going to suggest something here, and then I'm going to back it up with some pretty crazy statistics. Make mealtime sacred. Make mealtime sacred. Now listen to this data from the National Addiction and Substance Abuse out of Columbia University. Kids and teens who share family dinners three or more times per week are less likely to be overweight, are more likely to eat healthy food, perform better academically compared to their peers, are less likely to engage in risky behaviors like drugs, alcohol, and sexual activity, and have better relationships with their parents. Just from eating three meals together during the week. This is going to take work. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's not, right? You have a busy schedule. I understand that. But here's what that might mean. It might mean sitting down and planning out those meals. Beginning of the week, you sit down as a couple and you plan out what are the meals that we're going to have. Because those few extra minutes that you do that are absolutely going to be worth it. And here's why. Because you're going to be able to connect emotionally with your child. You're going to be able to connect with them in a way that's really hard unless you make that time. And each of those interactions, as you're sitting at the dinner table, it's going to give you a glimpse into what they really care about. And then what's beautiful is they're really giving you access to speak into those things. Now, one thing that I've heard about dinner is that the point isn't a good meal, but a good conversation. And I love that. And some of you, you've probably already seen the video uh, that was out this last week on social media or through our monthly email um, that we're kind of looking at this next series that we do called The Table. But can I encourage you, can I encourage you, make a mealtime routine. Make a mealtime routine with your family. If you can't do it every day of the week, that's totally understandable, but show your kids that it's important. Be intentional. At the DeWitt household, um, well, at least when we're in the same city, <laughs> um, we have uh, this routine whenever we sit down for dinner together at the table. And, and it's super simple, but what's funny is it's kind of become a tradition that even their friends uh, start to partake in it whenever we're at the dinner table, and even their boyfriends, <laughs> right? What we call highs and lows. 
And it's super simple. I'm sure you've heard of this before, right? They just get to share the best time of their day. What was the best part of your day? And then what was the worst part of your day? And here's what we found to be absolutely amazing is that during that time, it's an incredible time that we can point our kids' hearts back to Jesus. I could sit here and I could give you time after time where they have shared something about the worst part of their day. And we've tried to say, okay, well, how can we have joy as a follower of Jesus in the midst of that? Or how can we treat that person with compassion and respect and love like Jesus would want us to? And it's just an incredible time to be able to point and direct our children's hearts back to him. Okay, so maybe, maybe dinner is too difficult for you. You've got a lot of after-school activities. Do breakfast together. Again, it's just a meal. It's not about what, what time of the day. It's just a meal. Do breakfast together. And use that mealtime as a way to point your kids back to Jesus. And I really believe that this time at the, at the dinner table is really you taking on this role. You're taking on the role of a teacher that's establishing the Christ-centered values that you want for your kids. Okay, next time of the day. When you walk along the road. Now, of course, back then in Bible times, they walked everywhere. Okay? We don't really walk everywhere. Our 21st mode of transportation is the minivan, or if you're like a step up from us minivan people, you got the really nice SUV. Okay? And it doesn't matter if you drive the minivan or the SUV, we all know that we're really unpaid Ubers, right? <laughs> now, no matter what, no matter what, wherever we're going, whether it's you know, taking the kids to practice or we're going to visit grandma or we're just going to school, this time is an incredible time for conversations. See, a lot of times, these are going to be the informal conversations that you're going to have with your kids. You're going to help interpret the things in life for them. And your role during these drive times is just to be a friend who listens and asks questions that gets them thinking more about their own Christian life and how they're living that out through the situations and circumstances that they're dealing with. Now, as I've been here in East Bernard and, you know, I go to pick up Becca in the afternoons, it's a super short ride. I mean, it is five minutes, right, from the high school to the garage apartment where we're living. But what I have absolutely loved is that this is a perfect time for her to share her day. I just ask her the simple question, how was your day? And we go into these incredible conversations where she's sharing something that a teacher said or something that another student said, and she's wrestling with that, and I wrestle through that with her together. We wrestle through some of those things. Another family that we used to go to church with, they actually use this drive time to ask two questions. Did you encourage someone today? And did you serve someone today? Man, what an incredible opportunity. Not only are you listening to your kid's heart, thinking about with them the things that have gone on through their day, but you're reinforcing this idea of loving and serving others the way that Jesus would want us to. All right, number three. Moses says, when you lie down. Now, if you have younger children, this is a great time to establish a bedtime rhythm. Uh, maybe you already have a bedtime routine. Maybe they go grab their PJs, then they go brush their teeth, and then they go grab a book, and they bring it to you for you to read to them. Let me just ask this question. Why not add some kind of spiritual dynamic to that? Maybe it's as simple as you know, reading a Bible story. You just pick out one, and you kind of read that to them to help quiet them and still their hearts. Or, or maybe it's, it's praying and thanking God for the things that happened in that day. Or maybe it's the praying for the things that are going to happen the next day because they're concerned and they're worried about it, right? But it's important to build that bedtime routine. And I, I realized that this week. It's incredible to, to kind of hear this from one of my daughters. 
she texts me. She's at home in Katie, and she texts me, and she says, hey, Dad, be sure to sing and pray before you go to bed because that was our bedtime routine. They, they knew that. They know that. That's our bedtime routine. Now, maybe you have teenagers, right? And teen, at night, for some reason, I have no idea why this is, but they come alive, right? It's like they become human chatterboxes when you're like, dude, I'm barely keeping my eyes open right now. I'm so tired. Can I just say this? Lean into that time. Lean into that time. Sit down on their bed. Listen to their heart. Listen to them ramble about the entire day. Because here's the thing. You don't have too much longer to do that. So lean in to that time. Now, none of this bedtime routine, as you can tell, has to be some kind of mountaintop experience. Instead, it's just using the small minutes of every day to aim your kids back to Jesus. So I think that's kind of the role that we take on in the evening time is that we're building intimacy with them as a counselor. Okay, the final time. When you get up. Now, about half my family are morning people and the other half aren't. And I'm just going to say this. There are some in our family that when you try to wake them up, they are like a little rabid raccoon that growls at you. Okay? And I get it because for some adults, that's similar for them, right? Morning time is not your thing. But here's what I love. Find something that you love getting up for, right? For me, I'm going to be perfectly honest, it is the smell of a good cup of coffee, right? And then what I love to do is I love to just put worship music on throughout my house, just letting it kind of permeate and bring peace to the hearts of my entire family. Because that's what it does. It just kind of, it kind of sets the mode for the day. It just sets us at peace for that morning. And see, I think our goals in the morning should be to build up our kids for the day. Maybe that's simply just giving them a verse or a thought about God that they kind of think about for that day. But it's the idea of encouraging them and instilling purpose in them as a coach. Now, these intentional times of the day, they, they may look different for your family, okay? Um, Maybe as you're kind of working through these intentional times during the day, you realize that these roles, they just, they don't really work out for you in the way that you kind of have your schedule at home. And in no way am I trying to say that every family in here should be the same, because that's just not the truth, okay? God loves diversity. He loves diversity. So it should look that way in all of the families that are represented in here. But what we do need to take away from this morning, what we have to understand is we have to think about how and when can I be intentional to instill in my kids godly values? How and when can I help interpret life for them as their friend? How and when can I build intimacy with them as a counselor? And how and when can I instill purpose towards them as a coach? Now, on the back table, parents, you've also got a fun little resource. I've got this card back there that you can grab. And it literally is just kind of walking through what we talked about this morning in these different roles and different times. And I'd love for you to take one. In fact, what I'd love for you to do is take it home and, and pray over it with your spouse. Maybe you read back through Deuteronomy 6 and you just pray about your day and you say, okay, God, how can we make it more, how can we be more intentional as a family? Okay? And then maybe you stick it on your fridge and you just kind of look at it and it's a reminder for you. How can we be more intentional in discipling our children? You know, I think each of us find ourselves falling into three camps this morning, okay? I, I think the first one, you maybe you're sitting there saying, you're saying, I, I don't know, does that, does, that really, 
does it really even matter? Like, if I did this, does it really even matter? One of my dad's favorite quotes is this, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. If you never take a shot at this, of starting something intentional, building a rhythm into your family, if you, if you never engage your kids spiritually, you'll never know what God might have done in the life of your child. But not only in the life of your child, in you as well. You'll never know. Others in here, you, you need to be reminded that it is not a one and done. Right? Deuteronomy is clear. Teach them diligently. Be consistent. Be intentional. Don't give up when they come in and they roll their eyes and they go, another devotion? Yes. Yes. Another devotion. Do it again. Show them who you love. Show them who is precious to you. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, James, my kids are all grown up now and I missed that opportunity. I missed being able to disciple them the way that I should have. You know what? Maybe you need to call your son or daughter. Maybe you need to apologize. You say, I, I missed this opportunity. I missed raising you and following Jesus. But my relationship with him is different now. It's completely different. And then explain that to them and ask if you can pray for them. See, because when it comes to discipling our children intentionally, earlier is better. But right now, is better than never. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each parent and grandparent and caregiver in this room. God, I thank you that you've given us the responsibility as hard and as difficult and as daunting as it feels to raise up our children to pursue and to follow you, Jesus. And I pray for each one of us, God, that we would consider the time that we have, how precious and valuable it is and instilling these truths into our children. And God, that we would take those opportunities to point their hearts back to you, to show them that you are the most precious thing that we have. Father, we love you. Use us, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Tim is not here to walk through the questions with me, so I invited someone much prettier. I invited Emily to come up and to, she was funny because I said, hey, you want to come up there? She's like, I will come up and ask the questions, but I am not answering any of them. I was like, yes, ma'am. All right, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so first one is, is it wrong to use spanking? Can you hear me? Okay. Is it wrong to use spanking to discipline my child? Oh, is it wrong to use spanking to discipline my child? Okay, just from a show of hands, how many in this room you were spanked? Okay, all right, <laughs> that's what I thought, that's what I thought, all right. Um, <laughs> and I, most of you, most of you have turned out okay, all right. I'm not going to say all, because there are a few of you guys that are a little nutty, all right, but most of you have turned out okay, all right. No, so the scripture, the scripture is pretty clear. I mean, we see in the Proverbs that there is a proverb that talks about physical discipline, right? Um, I think it's important for us to understand, too, though, that that is in the larger context of discipline, um, when we move into the New Testament, it's very clear to see, and I love this passage, the Father disciplines, this is speaking of God, but it says the Father disciplines the ones he loves. So here's what I would say. I would say that discipline 
shows love. Okay? So if you kind of just let your kids roam free and do whatever they want to and don't ever correct them or discipline them, you're going to reap the rewards of that, all right? Because that means they're going to be unwieldy and they're not going to have any boundaries or parameter for their own lives. So as they get older, that's what's going to happen. Now, when we talk about the... Well, it's funny that I have the switch right in front of me, right? Um, (laughs) When we talk about the physical discipline, I think that there's an age where that is appropriate. I think when they're younger... Um, that's something that you kind of have to instill until they're able to understand what you're doing. Let's say if like maybe later you ground them or you, you know, you, you say, okay, well, you can't be on the phone for this long or whatever, something like that, okay? Uh, technology, take away technology, good grief. That may be more important than spanking, actually, if I'm honest, right? Even for your younger ones. Uh, but I think there's, there is something that you can do that. Now, what I will say with that, I know there's a lot of conditions on this one, but this is really important. Don't do it in anger. The scripture is very clear about that, Right? Don't do it in that moment. When they do something wrong, don't just grab something. I, I don't think you would. I think I know that most of you are, are more responsible than that. But don't do it in anger, okay? Um, there, there have been times, I'm going to be open and, and honest, there have been times where I have, and I deeply regretted it later. I regretted it so bad because, truthfully, those are the ones that your kids remember the most when you did it in anger. When you do it in love, it's funny how they actually really don't remember that one. It did direct their heart. It did steer their heart, but they don't remember it as much, right? So make sure that if you're doing that, again, when they're younger, that you don't do that in anger. And you sit down, and what I would honestly do is I would kind of get on their level. I would talk to them. This is what you did wrong. This is the discipline I'm giving you in this moment, and I want you to remember, okay? And then I know this is hard, and it's going to sound really weird, maybe because this is different than what you grew up. It's definitely different than when I grew up. Pray with them. Make that a spiritual moment as well, right? Everything is spiritual, but make that a spiritual moment as well where you're able to discipline them. I hope that answers that question well. So, and am I on? I can't hear myself. Okay. I'm like, okay. Just do it loud. Okay. I was going to say the second one kind of goes with uh, that, or maybe I thought you were going to say, it says, how do you forgive yourself for losing your temper all mm. the time? Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing, um, and I've had to practice this one <laughs> quite often as well, right? If you lose your temper and you say something um, that you know is hurtful towards your child, uh, or something that you even, the Holy Spirit kind of convicts you of and you regret, right? Maybe they didn't seem to care about it as much, but you definitely felt that way. Here's what I would do. I would go to that child and I would say, I am sorry. I messed up in this area. Because here's the thing. Your kids need to understand that you're a sinner as well, right? And they need to see that worked out. How amazing and how incredible it is that you're showing them what the process of reconciliation looks like. I messed up, I hurt you, I'm sorry I hurt you. Will you forgive me? And can we pray about that? You're showing them, you're modeling for them in the future how reconciliation looks biblically. So I would say start there, okay? Second, we all know this. There is nothing that the grace of God cannot cover. And I know it's hard because you know it's your children, but you have got to let, bring that before the Lord, let him forgive you, and let it go. There's too much work to be done with your kids not to let it go. All right. Okay. Um, how do we keep the balance between wisely monitoring our child's peer influence mm. and giving them enough personal space? Oh, man, that is a hard one. Um, I think this one is just simply about you guys having those conversations at home and helping them understand, right? Especially when they're younger, it's harder, right? Because they don't understand at all like why you would give any kind of boundary. They, they want boundaries, they need them, but they don't understand why you would do that. When they get older, I think it's the conversation of this is why we're doing this. 
Uh, I know that for Emily and I, a lot of times it's been sitting down with our girls and was talking about, you know, um, cell phone device stuff and how long they're on something. And, and we would put parameters on it and they would yell at us, well, my friends don't have that kind of stuff on theirs. And we're like, well, we love you. I know, I know, I know. That sounds horrible. It sounds horrible. We explain the why. We are explaining the why, right? It's because we care about your heart. We care about you having interaction with us. That did sound bad. I'm sorry. I'm not saying those parents didn't. Thankfully, I don't think any of them in the room. Um, but we sit there and we try to help them understand why we're doing that. Because everything they're taking in is shaping their heart. And we want them to understand that, Right? And the hope is, is that they'll start to do that on their own. They'll start to put those conditions and those boundaries on themselves. Instead of it being outside imposed, it'll be inside imposed, right? Um, and, that, and that's when you get to celebrate, whenever you see a kid do that. That's what's really awesome. Too. Did that answer that question? Yeah. Okay. Um, and the last one I have for the parenting. Are there any resources to help navigate the media my child mm. takes in? Mm. Um, so there is one. Oh, why am I, think, why am I blanking on it? It's through Focus on the Family, and they do, they, if you, if you want to know whether or not your should, kid could, should watch a show or a movie, Plugged In, that's what it's called. Plugged In is a great resource for you to use, right? If you're like, well, I don't know if they should see this. Like, for example, kind of give you an example. Last night, we watched Five Nights, no, Freddy, Five Nights of Freddy. Thank you, right? And now, all of ours are old enough to be able to watch that, but if you're kind of like trying to negotiate whether or not that's something they should watch, then go and get unplugged in, and they're going to give you like some of the, here's what, how many times this bad word was said, or here's kind of some of the innuendos that are in there, or that kind of thing. And you'll be able to kind of navigate that a little bit better. I would also say, this is uh, one of the things that was, um, last week you might have had on the marriage resources, there's a, a, a website called empoweredhomes.org. It's a great ministry that's run out of the former church that I used to work at, but it's got all sorts of resources about how to set those parameters well. I would totally encourage you to go on there and look at some of those resources. Okay, that's it for parenting? Oh, okay. So there was a few that we didn't get to that came in a little bit later after we kind of addressed some of the topics. And so this is the one. There was one that came in that I want to make sure that we address. And I'm sorry if we're going a little bit longer. Um, it says this. It says, I like my job, uh, but it does not come close to meeting my spiritual needs. I try to fill that gap with other activities, but it's exhausting to fit it all into a busy life. I feel bad about not attending a Bible study or making enough time for the Lord. What are some easy ways to connect and grow with him that also don't take hours away from a busy schedule? Now, this is one of the things that um, I've definitely had to grow in, um, is understanding that prayer is an ongoing conversation, okay? Prayer is not, it, it is a specific time, but it's not just a specific time, right? I, I know that there are several of you that you are our prayer warriors, and you have a specific time you get up, and it's you know, probably before the sun even gets up, that ungodly hour, right? And you get up and you spend time in prayer, okay? But it's also an ongoing thing. It's throughout the day recognizing and talking to the Lord. And I think once you develop that kind of prayer life, a life where everything is brought before the Lord, you realize that these time constraints that a lot of times we've put on things are not quite as important. It's about your heart and your posture towards him throughout the day. Okay. Now, that being said, there are also all sorts of resources on, the, on uh, Bible, the Bible app that they have all sorts of short little devotions that if you just want something that you can read real quickly and kind of take in some time with the Lord, read that. Take that in, right? But I, I would say develop a prayer life 
where you recognize that it's an ongoing thing throughout the day that I'm bringing my minutes and my moments to God is super, super important. Okay? All right. I think that's it, but I'm going to pray for us one more time. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your word and how we can work through difficult things. God, that we can talk about topics that are difficult sometimes for us to submit ourselves to. But Father, I pray that each one of us would say and, and desire to be a person who gives all of ourself to you, not just pieces, but all of ourself. God, because we know that Jesus gave all of himself for us. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.